Matthew 8, 1 through 4 reads, When he came down from the mountain, great crowds followed him. And behold, a leper came to him and knelt before him, saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a proof to them. Well, Father, we thank you for your word. I just pray that you would bless the preaching here today and that you would help me. Amen. Well, I realize there's a lot of different ways this text could be preached. Um, For example, I could spend time talking to you about the disease of leprosy itself and how the Bible uses it as a metaphor for sin. Sin, after all, is the true spiritual leprosy which defiles us before God. I could emphasize to you Jesus' power to cleanse that which is defiling, his ability to forgive sin. And I could go on to show you how his ability to do just that signifies who he is. Who can forgive sin but God alone? Well, that would all be very appropriate to preach from this text. It, It should be preached from this text. Yet, that's not where I plan on going today per se. Rather, I want to draw your attention to the words of our Lord found in verse 3 where he says, I will be clean. I will be clean. Now, this word in the ESV that's translated will here should not be confused with the way we sometimes use that word in English as in, you know, tomorrow I will go to the store or I will mow the lawn. I will do this or I will do that. There's more being communicated here to us. It's the word fellow. It has to do with the, the volitional aspect of the will, the, the desire to do something, the willingness. And so most English translations actually here say, I am willing. And so the title of my sermon is very simply this, Jesus is willing, so be clean. Uh, so this is a sermon on the willingness of Jesus Christ. That is the aspect of his character that I want to uh, highlight for you and emphasize to you today and press it upon your conscience that Jesus is willing to cleanse and to forgive sinners. And then I want to connect that to the imperative statement he gives that we should be clean. So why is the willingness of Christ the main point I'm after today? Why bring this sermon? Well, two reasons. Uh, the willingness of Christ is what this leper is after. Notice his statement in verse 2 is not so much a question as to who Jesus is, nor is it a question of what Jesus is able to do for him. He essentially is coming up to Jesus, kneeling before him and saying, I know who you are, Lord. You are the Lord. That's the first word that comes out of his mouth. You see it there in our text, right? Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. He's, he's saying, not only do I know who you are, I know what you can do. You can make me clean. That's another statement of certainty we see him making. 
But, but where does the uncertainty lie? If you will, if you are willing, he might be thinking, well, I know you're willing in a general sense. You were willing back there in chapter 4, verse 23, where it says you went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. And so your fame spread throughout all Syria and they brought you all the sick, all the, with, with the diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons and having seizures and paralytics, and you healed them. You were willing to do it for the masses, Jesus, but are you willing to do that for me? And that's, that's the Christian faith, the kind of faith that, that saves somebody. Is always a faith that goes beyond the level of the general to, to the personal. What am I saying? It's one thing to say Jesus died for sinners. That's a true theological statement. But it's another thing to say, yes, but he died for me. Me he loved, the Son of God. For me, for me he died. My name is graven on his hands. Jesus Christ is a personal Savior, brethren. And if someone is to come to him as to a personal Savior, they must first come face to face with this question. Is he even willing to take me? That would be a helpful thing to know. That's what this leper is seeking to find out. And so that's the first reason I want to preach on the willingness of Christ. The second reason I want to preach on the willingness of Christ is I believe that Satan often attacks this point of Jesus' character. We know that Satan is always telling lies about our Lord. This is the explanation as to why we see all the, the false Christs and the cults today. They'll deny some aspect of his person, that he's fully God or fully man. Or they'll deny his work, the penal substitutionary atonement. But you see, in this scheme, it's very subtle and very pervasive. He, he allows people to, to, to acquiesce to certain uh, theological truths about Jesus, but he comes in and subtly suggests to them, perhaps this Jesus really isn't all that willing to save them personally. And there's many ways this is expressed. You know, for example, there's many people who, who have not yet come to Christ because they are afraid that he, if they were, he would be unwilling to cleanse them because they think they've committed the unpardonable sin. Uh, many people email into the church saying just that. Never mind the fact that they can't tell you what that is or why they think they've committed it. The point is they think because they've got some sin on their record, some thing they've done, some blasphemous thought they've had that now... If they were to come to Christ, Christ would now be unwilling to take them because of something on their record. You see, they're not, they're not taking our Lord at His word when He says in verse 3, I will be clean. Whoever comes to me, I won't cast out. Others, for them, it's not the unpardonable sin, but they like to hide behind the doctrines of grace, sadly. There seems to be a lurking fear in the back of their mind that says, I can't come to Christ because what if I'm not elect? What then? If I came and I wasn't elect, would he really be willing to cleanse me and to save me? And so they don't come. Instead, they sit there and try and 
try and want, figure out if Jesus is willing to take them based on whether they're elect or not. And that's a, a hopelessly impossible thing to figure out in that position. Just come. Just take him at his word. He says, I will be clean. And then there's others who will just say something foolish, like, oh, you don't know how bad I've been. That's just a cheap excuse, though. You see, all of these, brethren, are examples of plain old unbelief, a failure to take Jesus at his word. I will be clean. I've been reading through this book in my free time called A Pastor's Sketches by a man, Ichabod Spencer, where he recounts different interactions he had with people and then connect it to some uh, biblical principle. And in a certain chapter, he ends it by saying this. He writes, It is important for convicted sinners to know that the cause of their irreligion is not that Christ is not willing to receive them, but that they are not willing to trust in Him. So the willingness of Christ takes away excuses. And Christ doesn't only say He's willing to this man, He also demonstrates it. In verse 3 it says, And Jesus stretched out His hand and touched Him. Certainly, Jesus could have just said, be clean, and He would have been clean. He could have snapped His fingers And that would have worked. That would have been effective. But Jesus goes the extra mile with this man. I mean, how long has this man gone without feeling the touch of another human being? We do not know. The Bible doesn't say. But Jesus, the Son of God, touching this man full of leprosy, this is unthinkable. Has there ever been so much care communicated in a single touch? Dare to say not. He demonstrates that he is very willing. He demonstrates it here for us. And since Jesus is so willing to save, we should be all the more motivated to go to him, to be cleansed by him. That is our part in this. And so, I have three very basic spiritual lessons we can draw out from this account that will help us. The first is this. If someone is ever going to come to Jesus for cleansing, they must first recognize this about themselves, their own uncleanness. This is uh, presupposed in our text. This man says for us, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean, which tells us he understood this about himself. He was unclean. That's the first basic principle. Uh, We know that the lost remain in their lost state precisely because of this. They don't see their need. They think they're basically all right. They're pretty good. You see that blindness to their true condition is that great barrier which keeps them from coming. But here's the thing. That can happen to Christians as well. I fear that oftentimes we as Christians can miss out on, on, on greater cleansing and sanctification because we got to the point where we think we're, we're spiritually mature now. We're, we're pretty good. What, what stands in our way of growing in our 
sanctification, growing in grace, growing in Christ's likeness, growing in purity, is maybe an overestimation of where we're already at. And brethren, there should be a holy discontentment with where we're all at spiritually. Um, It makes me think of the church in Laodicea in Revelation 3. They didn't see that they were wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, naked. They didn't see that about themselves. They thought they were pretty good. Right? I've prospered. I need nothing. They were content with where they were at. But brethren, 1 John is written to Christians when it says if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So that's the first uh, biblical principle I'd like to see, uh, highlight for you. That we must see our need for cleansing. The second one is this. Uh, after we see our need for cleansing, right? let us, just like this leper here, go directly to the one who can make us clean. Because after all, he is willing. And uh, for, for the non Christians here today, those who are lost, you might have the idea in your mind that that perhaps you have to uh, clean yourself up a bit, uh, dust yourself off, and then come to him. But you see, that's not true at all. Just come to him. He's willing to take you right now. Just fall at his feet like this leper here does in our text. And you might be thinking, well, how, how can I? This leper had Jesus right in front of him in the flesh, where, where can I go today to go to Jesus? Isn't that just another Christian cliche? Well, it's by an act of faith. It's with the heart one believes and is justified. Paul says the word is near you. He also tells his listeners on Mars Hill that he's not far from each one of us. But I would also apply this one to the Christian as well. Because there might be a time, Christian, when you fall into some sort of sin that grieves you. And then a temptation enters into your mind that the way to fix the problem is to, you got to do better and fix yourself before you can come right back to Christ. You might fear that he won't want anything to do with you anymore. But listen, if he was willing to cleanse you while you were his enemy, how much more is he now that he has called you his friend? So that is the second principle, that we simply come to him. And the third principle uh, from this text that I would highlight for you is that if one is to come to Jesus for cleansing, one must not procrastinate. You must seize the opportunity while it is in front of you. That is how the scripture speaks to us, right? It says, seek the Lord While he may be found, call upon him. While he is near, behold, now is the day of salvation. Behold, now is the accepted time. Procrastination is a terrible thing. And sadly, it keeps many people from ever being saved. But where do we see that lesson in this text, though? Am I just reading that lesson into this text? Well, I don't think so. Um, because the reality of the situation is this man, this leper, had a very limited amount of time where he had access to come to Jesus, whether he realized it or not. If we keep reading 
In chapter 8, you find Jesus entering into Capernaum in verse 5. And he enters in Peter's house, verse 14, and he heals his mother-in-law. And in verse 16, it says, That evening they brought him many who were oppressed by demons, and he cast them out and healed all who were sick. In verse 18, he sees the crowd formed around him and gives orders to his disciples to go to the other side. In verse 23, he gets into the boat with his disciples and sets sail on the Sea of Galilee. And in verse 28, they land on the other side in the country of the Gadarenes, which is directly opposite the Sea of Galilee, the farthest point away from Capernaum. And if this man would have procrastinated like so many people do in this world and says, tomorrow I'll get right with God, I'll go to him. Well, he would have woken up one morning and found that he wants to go to Jesus that day, but he wasn't there. He's way over there in the country of the Gadarenes. And he would have missed out on being healed. He likely would never have been healed. But he does seize his opportunity to go to Jesus while he can. And so I think he serves as a, a positive example that should be followed here today. Because here's the thing. If you're here today and you're lost, you're in that exact same position. You currently have an opportunity to come to Jesus today and be cleansed. But, just like this man, that opportunity is fading away. It's, there's coming a day very soon when no more mercy is going to be offered to you. No more second chances. It will soon be the last day, the final day, the final judgment. And you'll have to stand before this Jesus and give account. The very one who is willing to say to you, be clean, and you would have been clean, but you wouldn't have him. And now this one who would have been your healer is now your, gonna, is now your divinely appointed judge. Oh, and if you don't follow this leper's example and come to him now while you have the chance, I fear for you. How can you endure that day? Here's just one description of that day. I'll read it for you. The great day of the Lord is near, near and hastening fast. The sound of the day is, of the Lord is bitter. The mighty man cries aloud there. A day of wrath is that day, a day of distress and anguish, a day of ruin and devastation, a day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and thick darkness, a day of trumpet blast and battle cry, against the fortified cities and against the lofty battlements. And what's more is Jesus teaches us that that day will come like a thief in the night in an hour that you do not expect. That many people will not be ready. Mm. So I plead with you today. I urge you, do not procrastinate any longer. He hasn't given you Tomorrow. He has not promised a long life. But he's given you today. He's given you right now. And Jesus is willing right now to cleanse you and to make you clean. He is willing, brethren. So be clean. So, in summary, we looked at these three basic principles from this account that in order to be cleansed by Jesus, we must first see our need for cleansing. And secondly, 
Once we see our need for cleansing, let us go to him in faith and he will make us clean. And then thirdly, we must not procrastinate in doing so. Well, what else can I say? Uh, Other than praise God for this Savior who's so willing to save and to make us clean. Well, Father, we thank you for this account of your son and this leper. And we see ourselves here in this text, Lord. We thank you that he's reached out and touched us and said, be clean, and he's made us clean, Lord. I just pray that you would be with us today, meet with us in the preaching, in the fellowship, in the singing. Father, we thank you for Jesus. It's his name we pray. Amen.